Welcome to Bottled Up, a project with a simple mission, to destigmatize mental health through the power of storytelling. My name is Meg and I'll be your host for today's episode for an episode that we've been looking forward to for the past month. Lynn John is now a recently retired AFL footballer from the Western Bulldogs who is now enjoying life outside of football. Now, one of the key standouts of today's conversation is how humble and grounded Lynn is in spite of all that he's achieved throughout his career. A career that saw him win uh, two VFL premierships, uh, one of which was a best on ground performance having undergone collarbone surgery just a few weeks prior. In our conversation today, we speak about multiculturalism and racism within sports, uh, his mental health in relation to his culture and background, dealing with physical setbacks that Lynn had to push through, as well as the idea of toxic masculinity in a football setting. So it's all there for you guys, all there for you guys to sit back and digest away the information. So I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed this podcast and um, and please do give us a, a like and subscribe on our Instagram page at Bottled Up Oz. So um, without further ado, hope you guys enjoy. No worries. Um, yeah, as we we're sort of discussing off air, um, yeah, I always enjoy sort of doing podcasts and, and, and always find something new that I reflect on. So, um, you know, always happy to, to, to go on and, and chat to them. Yeah, one hundred percent. And um, you know, I, and I've got a lot of sort of questions for you today, of course. But uh, the first one is, you know, how did you pull up from your laser eye surgery? Uh, very good. Um, if anyone wants to go to Medinica uh, Laser Eye, uh, <laughs> it's uh, I, I couldn't recommend it highly. Um, um, it's um, it's almost like a new lease on life in a way. Oh, really? like, um, okay. I just like it's so weird. I just I always think I have got contacts in now and. Um, <laughs> And like, for, I, like when I sit on the couch, I couldn't watch like TV without glasses. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, could barely see a number plate in the car in front of me. So it's uh, it's amazing, like uh, just being able to see stuff without without glasses. No, how did contacts work? I think like I see some of my mates put contacts in their eyes, and it's just like I, they they put they're sticking their hand like half the hand inside their eye trying to get it out, and then if they cry, it's just like it's just mayhem apparently. Yeah, it's um, oh, it's. It, like I, I got I got very used to it, obviously, and it was sort of like second nature to me. But yeah. at the start, yeah, you just do the whole like big wide eye opening, and you got the lens in, in <laughs> one finger, and it just eventually sits in your eye properly. But it takes it takes a while to get used to, it and it's it's pretty uncomfortable, like most of the time. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's almost as if like you know they're they're trying to perform some sort of like eye surgery just trying to get it out really like <laughs> but um but no it's good that you've uh, that you've got that done is that what you've kind of found yourself been that you've been doing you know sort of in your time off at, at the moment just trying to tick off those kind of those big ticket items um that you couldn't you know tick off whilst you were playing footy yeah a little bit um i, I wanted laser eye surgery sort of like a few, fair few years back but um just got told to hold off um i guess in case anything happened um, and I lost my eyesight or something like that in a freak <laughs> accident. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, like, little things like that um, um, that I sort of, you know, couldn't do while I was playing football. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm just trying to find new sort of new things that that, um, that pop up and, and I'm sort of, yeah, you know, trying to do as much as I can in, in this during the lockdown, whether that's podcasts or, or I don't know, going for walks outside and runs and, and enjoying that sort of exercise these days. Um, and, yeah, I guess um, as I sort of mentioned at the start, um, um, the more, you know, the more you speak about your story and, um, and I guess, open up about things, um, the more you sort of own them um, and, and, and sort of just it becomes sort of part of you and part of your identity. So the more I talk about it, I find the... the um, the easier it gets for me. Mm. You speak there about identity, and I think it's very similar to what um, 
Tom Boyd said. We actually had a chat with Tom Boyd, uh, not, not to uh, plug the podcast or anything, <laughs> but um, we, uh, we had a chat with him, and one of his big um, issues that he had while, while he was an AFL footballer was you know, the distinction that he drew between Tom, the footballer, and Tom, his authentic self. And um, and I was kind of wondering, you know, how was that kind of for you sort of uh, as a as an AFL footballer? Was that was there that, that kind of separation of identity that, you know, that Lin Jong, the footballer versus Lin Jong, his his authentic self? And um, are you able to kind of realize that now that you're that you've finished up your career and you've retired? Have you kind of realized that um. now? I think so, and I think I'm still sort of discovering it um, yeah. since I retired. Um, um, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit daunting, uh, but exciting at the same time. Sort of thinking of myself as, as, as you know, not a footy player anymore, and that's that was my whole, that was my whole identity for the past ten years, and and what I did, and and how people knew me, and um, and I guess it was while I was playing footy, it was hard to um, differentiate um, me as a player between me as a person. Um, I've, uh, I've sort of made mention that um, it was hard to, um, I guess, um, separate the two, um, and a, a lot of it would um, would carry along with my moods and, and and how I was playing. I would I would liken it to to me as a person, um, and so now yeah now with footy out of the way, um, I'm I'm really sort of I'm loving it to be honest. I um, even I find with social media and. and and things and and when I'm doing podcasts or, or any media in general, um, I, I can sort of be free to speak my mind a bit more um, without that, um, I guess, um, without the thought of um, representing your footy club and 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 whatnot. Of course, you're representing yourself as a person, and what you say, you got to be careful. Course, but yeah. um, but it's just another sort of added freedom that that I, I've never had before. Yeah. Well, well, for the record, I think you've. Uh... <laughs> You've definitely repre- represented yourself very well so far for the first five or six minutes of the podcast. <laughs> so um, that, that you've done that well. Um, and, and so, and, and so, look, uh, sort of looking at your life, at, at taking a step back and, and taking a look at your life as a sort of a, a snapshot. There's this. There's so many different themes that I wanted to explore with you today, and, and I think we had a chat about this kind of just last week. Um, you know, there's topics of multiculturalism. There's there's mental health in relation to your culture and, and background. And then potentially this idea that of your life as a footballer and the atmosphere that that kind of created around you in terms of toxic masculinity and, and all those themes. Um, but I think, but I think that the best way to explore these themes, I actually feel like the like different these different themes actually spoke to different aspects of your life, um, and I think mm. um, it, it flows really well chronologically. Um, so, so I think so. Let's start from the beginning. So, I think the first part I wanted to explore with you. So, so, so you're half Taiwanese and you're also half East Timorese, right? Yep, correct. Yep, yep, yep. And and your your parents they came from Australia. They came to Australia in the 1980s, I believe. And and after that, your your dad managed to escape the war in, in East Timor at the time. So there is a bit of a story here. Are you able to give us like, you know, a bit of a, a background into uh, into your family history, I guess? Um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, that is um, um, when he was, uh, I think, 18. Um, um, I guess the, the fleeing side was, ugh, was more so, I guess, maybe got lucky with the timing. Um, mm. He um, he went abroad to, to study um, oh. um, and, and sort of work and... and um, and I guess explore and travel, um, and then sort of I guess coincidentally, um, a couple of months after he left, um, Indonesia invaded uh, East Timor. Um, so um, that was I guess you know if you call it luck, then yes. But um, he sort of yeah moved from East Timor, which is a third world country. So 
you know, obviously to, to explore more options out there. Um, mm. Travelled around a bit um, and was in Taiwan. And, and then mum and dad met at a party, nothing, nothing too special, um, <laughs> where, where eventually they got married and, and had uh, my first uh, sister um, and then moved to Australia in about 1985 um, and then um, to, yeah, I guess have a new start and, and uh, and new beginnings and and you know dad started off as a as a cab driver mum mum didn't even work i don't think and and okay. and yeah so it's sort of yeah come from quite humble beginnings i guess yeah okay and then and then so you're the only so just you and your sister or you have you have multiple, multiple four siblings, sisters right? sorry four sisters yeah, four okay older, yeah. four older sisters yeah so yeah Tough, tough upbringing. <laughs> tough upbringing. Yeah, no, I've got an older sister as well, so uh, yeah, I think I think one's enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so tell me about your life, kind of, kind of growing up. Um, what was your kind of role in the family? Was were you like the? I think that there were so many times in, in my childhood where you know there were there were a lot of people who were kind of the the translators between like their parents and and they, they were sort of seen as the connection between you know the Australian society and and you know your your parents of sort of ethnicity. Was that something that, that was very common with you when you were kind of growing up, being that kind of bridge between two worlds? Um, I guess maybe in a sense towards when I started playing football, I didn't start till I was sort of okay, older. Yeah. Um, and I guess, um, yeah, I, growing up, it was sort of just like, I guess, any any old fucking... Sorry, I just didn't mean to swear. <laughs> no, any old, right. uh, go ahead. <laughs> are you allowed to swear on this? <laughs> yeah, no, of course you can. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> That's part of my uh, new freedom, I guess. Um, and yeah, just like any old Asian family, um, if you, if you call it that. Um, and then, mm. I guess when I started playing footy, um, um, yes, it sort of brought out this sort of new sort of avenue into into the into us becoming sort of coming into the Australian culture, and 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 especially me, sort of um, you know finding my way and my identity, and and, and sort of. Um, yeah, I guess how, how that sort of brought upon, I guess, something in me where um, I, I certainly felt very different out in the field and playing football. Um, but mm. but now um, seeing that connection uh, between, because I've, you know, got to play AFL and, and, and now mum and dad, you know, staunch Western Bulldogs fan, you know, wouldn't miss a game. And, um, that's something, yeah. you know, so special um, for me. And, uh, you know, I'm so happy. Uh, that's one of the reasons, you know, um, of you know, really content with everything because because my family now loves it and it's brought them closer to to this new world uh, that they had no idea about before I started playing. And and you mentioned your your family there. Um, and so you and your parents, how was that kind of relationship growing up? Was that did they sort of instill those values of sort of respect and was it a very kind of stereotypical kind of you know Southeast Asian kind of household when you were when you were growing up? Um, I think for me. Um, it wasn't because I was uh, okay, yeah. the youngest out of out of five children, so I think mum and dad sort of let my sisters take care of me a bit more. Um, <laughs> but I guess in terms of you know values instilled in me, um, it was never like um, you know mum and dad ever sat me down and was like you know this is how values, you should yeah. be. <laughs> you know I've you know I don't have any memories of, of those kind of conversations or yeah. or um, I don't know things that you know maybe some parents might do, um, but. Um, yeah, as I said, you know, I guess I learned along the way, and, and, and for me, I think you know your values obviously they're they they're influenced by you know your parents and stuff, but ultimately it's it, it's you and, and 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 how you are and what you stand for um, for in the end, and, and 
Um, you know, as much as I'd love to give credit to mum and dad, I sort of, you know, it was a lot of self, self-taught sort of respect and, and, and just being able to be just a nice person. Yeah. I think. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, cause the reason why I thought the basis of that question really was, um, you know, I, I think men- mental health isn't really spoken about a lot within our cultures. Not I, I at think all, no. No, no, it's, it's not, it's not very, very common. And I, I think I told you about the story actually once, um, one of, one of my one of my friends he it's not not really, not really funny but it's just funny just sort of reflecting on it um he sort of told his parents um about you know his he was, he was struggling he had sort of some issues with his mental well-being and his parents turned around and said oh you know just go and go and drink water and get a blood test yeah. or something, or something <laughs> like that. i'm just like i'm just like that's, that's, I don't, that's not how this stuff that's not how this stuff works yeah, really. maybe your iron so levels it's, are it's, a bit low or something <laughs> yeah 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 the vitamin d is a bit bit low as well it's, it's like um so yeah, it's it's very it's not in the vernacular. It's not really in that in that state. So so when you when you were growing up, were, were the mental health issues that you maybe experienced or reached its ultimate crescendo later on in your career, did that sort of manifest itself in your in its in its in your sort of early childhood? Um, and and were you able to? And if it did, did they were you able to talk about those issues with your with your parents? Um. No, absolutely not. Couldn't. Mm. Oh, I didn't know how to talk to him about it. Um, mm. And and I guess when I was younger, you know, that that lack of self awareness and and you know not understanding what's happening. You know, maybe I was you know experienced a lot of anxiety, but I was just like maybe it's just nerves or or never mm. sort of taking a step back to to sort of think um, um, about how I was you know really feeling about things. Um, so obviously that comes with age, but I guess when I was younger, it was so that those conversations never came up, um, mm. um, and I would, uh, you know, I would, I don't want to sort of generalise, but I think in a lot of sort of multicultural families, it's not a, it's not a thing that um, you know mental health, you know, it's it's very different these days. But when I was growing up, it certainly wasn't, um, mm. and so um, it, that, that sort of, you know, not being able to speak about it when I was young. Uh, and not being able to sort of understand it or, or have any idea about it maybe maybe had an impact along the way when I grew up and then was finally sort of like, what the fuck's going on sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, maybe, as you know, prevention's always the best thing, but maybe, you know, I never addressed the actual issue originally when I was younger. Yeah, and, and, so, and so, so we know what the, obviously we know what the issue is. I mean, you, you've sort of explained it really well there. Um, are we able to point to potentially like a, a specific moment in like your childhood where, you know, you thought that, you know, something wasn't, wasn't right? Like, was it a particular event or like, was it, you know, a, a particular moment in your life where you sat there and said, okay, this is like, I'm, like it's, it's not right what's happening? Um, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say, cool. I don't want to go too much into it, but you know, oh, fair enough. Going, growing up was, you know, That's there was things that happened in life and, okay. and which, which definitely had an impact on me. Um, and then, um, yeah, I guess, I guess that sort of maybe set the foundations and, and then, and then going into your sort of teenage years, it's sort of, it's lingering and I'd find myself sort of, say when I first started playing footy, I'd get home and I'd sit in the car for, for a long time, just, you know, sometimes I'd cry and sometimes I'd be really miserable and, mm-hmm. and just wait, wait till that passed over till I came, till I walked inside. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess moments like that and then um, and then when, when I was, you know, playing AFL and took time off to take over mental health, um, 
I would always, you know, like, and as I mentioned earlier, my footy ability to, to who I, my worth as a person. And so, yeah. um, you know, if I was playing well, it's like, yeah, I'm, mm. you know, I'm, I'm valuing myself. I'm, I'm happy with myself. If I was playing poorly, then mm. the opposite. And then got to a point where I was playing well and, and, and off field, I was still miserable and not happy. And, and then that was a big sort of turning point for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that mindset that you had there. I think, um, I can definitely identify with that as well. I mean, I mean, there have definitely been some points in my life where I've thought, you know, there's been a particular activity that determines or a particular moment in my life that determines, you know, my worth. And I'm just like, you know, when that domino falls, you know, everything else falls after that. And I think it's it's a very kind of dangerous mindset to be in. Um, so it's it's really good that you to see that you sort of later on down your down in your career you you sort of made that distinction. Um, and and so 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 on that so sort of just moving to your your more grassroots level of breaking into the AFL industry, I think what was that kind of like for you in terms of, you know, breaking into a sport that is particularly seen as as more a a more Caucasian and white kind of sport? I mean, you know, what was that kind of like for you growing up and and, and kind of getting into the. The, the, the more footballing industry um, I guess I was I was really lucky because I uh, I joined the local club where my friends were already there um, okay, if, yeah. if it wasn't for them absolutely no way I would have just started playing footy um, mm-hmm. and and still while you know growing up while I was playing and you know my juniors it was it was very you know evident that you know there weren't, wasn't any other Asian kids playing footy. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was very self-aware of that, very self-conscious. Um, you know, obviously I'm not saying other people would think that way, but but that's how I thought. Um, you know, clearly knew I was very different, clearly knew Asians didn't play footy. Um, yeah. And, yeah, go, going along the way um, in the juniors, you know, some kids would say things on the side here and there. Um, mm. And then, yeah, and then in the hey, AFL... Sorry, was, was that just like... Was that like racial? Yeah, yeah, like, racial, sort of being, racial. Being yeah. racist, yeah. Um, and and so, yeah, and then sort of going into the AFL um, uh, was sort of made a big deal, or not a big deal, but like was made a, somewhat of a deal of um, that, you know, so that my background, of my background, and, and I didn't I didn't like that attention regarding my background. I just wanted to sort of be like any other player. Um, and then... Mm. Um, I guess growing up along the way, it's like you just embrace that difference. You, you be proud of it. Um, um, yeah. It's something I'm extremely proud of now and, and I know makes my parents really proud and that, that makes me happy, obviously. Um, and, yeah, mm. I guess it took took me a little while to, to finally just be happy with who I am. And, mm. and um, yeah, I guess part of that sort of stemmed from that all that sort of self-awareness and self-conscious of, of how different I was playing footy. Yeah, and, and when you're growing up, I feel like it's 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 everyone kind of wants to be cut from the same cloth, um, like everyone wants to fit into the same mold, you know that that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But 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 I think you know as you as you get older, it's like it's like you flip a switch overnight, and and you know where you start to embrace your differences. And you know one of the things that I really admire about your story is that you know the fact that when you were growing up, you didn't have that opportunity to look up to someone who had that same cultural upbringing as yourself and and you couldn't use them as the yardstick of you know this is where i can go and this is what i can achieve but but now that you've kind of embraced your differences and, and you became an airfoot footballer you know young kids of asian background out there can sort of look at you and think you know hey this is possible this is there's actually hope that you know i can achieve you know becoming an airfoot footballer 
Um, yeah, it's something um, I've sort of always said, like um, when I was growing up, um, with role models, you you need to be able to see yourself in them. Um, so, yeah, yep. you know, when I talk, and when I talk about footy, it's like, yeah, oh, I want to, I can play like this guy, but I don't look like him. I don't, you know, yeah. and, and you know, my appearance is very different. Um, and so, you know, now that I've retired and finished my footy career, um, I hope it's, uh, you know, I've made an impact culturally in terms of kids that want to start playing, and, and you know, they're not really sure, and then they can just sort of see me like you know in a in a afl you know guernsey playing afl and then be like yeah i, I actually i can play football because this guy plays football and he looks like me and and i look like him and you know that's all it takes i think yeah and i think you're definitely an inspiration to a lot of young kids out there because you know now people see you as that kind of role model and that kind of you know this is where you can potentially get to um so i think it's it's, it's really awesome just to see that um and kind of on the topic that you know, of that idea of kind of breaking through and, and, and embracing your differences. Um, you, you kind of, I think you, you, you kind of alluded, alluded to this um, a little bit earlier in terms of when you were growing up and even in your grassroots level of, of AFL that you experienced racial slurs that people to make, made towards you, which is absolutely mind-boggling. Um, and, and I've been very, very blessed that I haven't experienced um, anything like that, that kind of malice in my life. So I've been very fortunate. Um but kind of in the context of what's going on in the world at the moment, you know, we've had stuff like that happen with George Floyd last year. Um, and even domestically, you've got the likes of like Eddie Betts and, and Adam Goods, these big sort of sports people advocating against um, racism within the AFL and even sports generally. Um, are you able to maybe like take us into your mindset in terms of dealing with those situations? And, you know, as in like, were there any times where you were racially vilified by people within the industry or even by fans that came out to, to watch you? Um, yeah, there was there was a few incidences, and and I guess um, early days, um, you know, a few ignorant things said, and and you know, when I was younger, it's just like whatever, it's just those you know stereotypical yeah. jokes or whatever you, you, that you yeah. you know water off a duck's back. Um, but um, yeah, like there's you know an instance in a game where where a fan got sort of found out, and it was against Richmond, I remember, and I was still I was still about twenty two, so I was quite young and. And, you know, I wasn't really sure how to deal with it. I didn't know. And and if I had my time again, I, I think I would have done it a bit differently. But um, I had sort of people speak on behalf of me. And, and for example, uh, say a, a white male say, oh, I reckon you should say this, you know, this would be a good idea. Um, which, which, you know, I think in my experience, anyone can deal with racism however they want to, however they choose, because they're the victim. It's It's no one's right to say, you know, you should do this or you should do that or, or you shouldn't feel that bad about it. Um, so if that's, you know, whether that's Adam Goods calling it out straight away or or, or in my example, it was, you know, yep, he, the, the bloke apologised and, and I accept it, you know, what, or I can, you know what, I could have just said, I don't accept your apology and, you know, you can get fucked and that's it and that's up to me. Yeah. Um, um, and so I guess for me, I, I, I'm sort of, I believe I, I believe that you know it's 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 no there's no sort of one way to deal with it um, and I think it's sort of however you feel most comfortable if you're if you're the one experience it because no one else is and, mm. and some people have never experienced racism in their life and and sort of uh, I guess think their sort of opinions worth more than someone who has yeah and and how did that make you feel like when you when you experienced that you know early on in your career 
I guess when I was sort of younger, going back to when I was in the Richmond game, I, again, didn't want to make a big deal of it because I don't want the spotlight on me. I, I, it was embarrassing for me. I was, yep. you, know, I, you know, I don't know exactly what he said because the fan was the one who called him out. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't want sort of, yeah, I didn't want that um, sort of being a big deal. Or, and mm. looking back, if he, he said in, say, 20... 14 if he said that now he'd be getting a life ban and and, and yeah. richmond would have banned him cut his membership up and and mm. you know nothing really happened to him to be honest okay. um um so yeah that was um that was uh, sort of uh, i guess something that i reflect on um mm. um but as i said yeah i was a lot younger back then i think and um yeah now that i sort of look back i wish it was dealt with differently yeah, and you kind of you kind of actually answered the question really there, but um, do you think that the AFL has gotten better in terms of dealing with um, racial instances that happen, you know, in in the game and in the sport itself? Um, yeah, I, th- I think they hundred percent have, um, and ugh, I guess it's a bit of a shame that it, it was it was reactive instead of proactive, mm, but mm. Um, but it's better than nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a shame that you know a lot of guys had to sort of. Cop, it, cop that and and, mm. and it's a really sad thing until like yeah it got to a point where it's like finally it's like you know what um, this this can't keep going on because you know and Adam Goods is a, a good, I guess a good example of, of how far it can you know sort of go until mm. an industry is like alright we like let's help him out here yeah yeah that, that makes perfect sense and, and 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 more on your I think on more in your life as a footballer here. Um, I think you know it'd be a good time to potentially explore some setbacks that you experience, and then, you know, and everyone everyone has a journey as to how they they got to where they are, and and unfortunately for you, it's been a long road just to get to this point because, um, you know, I actually read an article in in, in the AFL that that they did on you, and, and they listed all the injuries that you had to come back from and it was literally like literally reading through the declaration of independence it was like you know, <laughs> it was like numerous hamstring injuries you know two broken collarbones fractured jaw um then just with the cherry on top a ruptured acl just you know it's on the side there as well <laughs> um so yeah were those were those like sort of physical setbacks was were they kind of seen like as the as factors or or, or the source of um your your mental health setbacks that you experienced later on in your in your AFL career? Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't call it the source, but um, it was sort of a, a definitely a factor. I think um, obviously yeah. getting injured is, is is bloody tough in the first place, and and when when football is all encompassing and it's your life, um, you know people mm. people might not understand, but injuries are a big deal, um, and it changes mm. your whole your whole day-to-day schedule, your whole lifestyle. Like sometimes you can't even walk, you know? Um, yeah, and, yeah. And so it, it, it was a factor because I have, yeah, I've had a lot of injuries. Like those aren't even half of half of the injuries, I reckon. But, um, mm. but yeah, it definitely was a factor. And then when you factor in how hard it is to come back to playing good footy from, from an injury and a big injury, and then when you consider how sort of – how tough rehab is um, – um, yeah. I get, and I'm, I'm reminding people that the perspective from an AFL footballer, that's your life. So, you know, it's okay to be, mm. to complain about that. Mm. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I won't call it the source, but it was definitely factors yeah. that, that sort of built into, you know, that was like, you know, my hamstring 
um, factored into me, you know, being in rehab, which factored into me being upset, and you know, yeah. this and and sort of as a flow-on effect from that. Yeah, I think yeah, the serving source is probably not the right word, but um, it kind of reminds me of what you've said in another in other sort of forums as well around, you know, AFL was seen as kind of the, your your escape in in some sense, in, in some stages in your early part of your life and in your early part of your career, but once that was sort of taken away from you, which was the trigger, which is your physical setbacks. I mean, it sort of allowed you to, once that escape was taken away, potentially, you know, that would, that could have been, it allowed your sort of mental health to kind of deteriorate just, just that little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, it got to a point where I didn't, I didn't enjoy footy anymore. I didn't love footy. Um, um, and, and, you know, when you talk about sort of things to help your mental well-being, um, you know, you, you talk to your friends, you, you get your exercise, um, you know, you, you socialise, you, you, you live a healthy lifestyle and, and I was already mm. doing those things and, and I was still miserable. So, um, mm. you know, I wasn't really sure what was happening because I just, it's sort of like I was ticking those boxes but um, sort of, mm. you know, I'm not feeling any different. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, um, it. yeah, I guess once that sort of love for football sort of departed um, and become you know, very much a job, then, you know, Mm. being at home, I was still miserable and then going to work, I was still miserable. Then there was no escape, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, one of the most heartbreaking moments, I think, um, just having a look at at your story, I think was the... Um, the elimination final in 2016. Um, I think we, you guys played against West Coast and you broke your collarbone. Yeah. Um, and I think that there was footage of you on the interchange bench once you had broken it. And, you know, you, you were, I think it was a team doctor, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the team doctor that was um, consoling you at the time. And it was just, oh, it, it was really, really heartbreaking because, you, you know, you were playing really well during, during that game and, and prior to that as well. And all that hard work was just, yeah. Yeah, well, that, I think that's a good sort of... Um, indication of how much sort of it can mean to someone like I know um there's a lot of people who are like you know it's just a sport and and yes it is um but it is as I said your livelihood and your life and and when you invest so much in something um and then you know when something and then and then something happens that's out of your control it's 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 a bloody tough thing and 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 yeah I'm pretty like I was you know happy to show my emotions and, and not sort of have to hide them yeah, it it was really heartbreaking. It was really moving as well, and I, and I didn't see it live, but when I saw it after, it was just like, oh, felt so bad. And, and um, I think a lot of people, I can speak for a lot of people. Once we saw that footage, I think all of us got a really, you know, a really strong connection with you after that, because I think, I think you reacted how every single person would have wanted to react at that time. You know, all that hard work had been built up, and um, it and it ended in in some very un- unfortunate circumstances. But you. You, I think you had operation on the collarbone after that, and then I believe you you played in the VFL Grand Final. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, I believe there's actually a story behind the strapping of your your shoulder, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, got broke my right collarbone. Got it fixed up the next day, and then played after. But uh, missed one game, and then played. And then we decided to strap the left shoulder, and, and the team, uh, yeah, uh, the team case we played against just absolutely destroyed my uh, my good shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> um, just going after the strapped one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and how'd you go in that game? Uh, not too bad. Played all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, best on ground, so <laughs> it wasn't too bad. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah, because you know, I, I was sort of thinking about you know that right. Like, I think so. So, so you get the best on ground in the VFL Grand Final, and, and on top of that, the Bulldogs make the AFL Grand Final, and and of course, it, it's kind of yeah, it's every childhood boy's dream for any AFL player to to play in a in, in a in a Grand Final, let alone win one. But how was that? Take me into that week. You know, you know, how, how was that week going into the into the Grand Final? Kind of knowing that you're in with a shot, even though something happened outside of your control, you know, a couple of weeks prior, but you managed to, to wrestle some of that control back and, and, you know, and destiny was kind of in your own hands. Obviously it's up ultimately with the coaches, but um, can you explain to me, you know, your mindset during that week before the 2016 grand final? Um, yeah, I guess um, I th- yeah, I thought I was, you know, a chance to play, um, but it was a lot, it was very much a, you sort of hope for the, Hope for the best, expect the worst type situations. Um, I was very, you know, aware that you know we we just want to pray them. We're into the grand final. Everyone played well. You're not going to. It's a very hard to change a winning side. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that going into that was sort of my attitude, and, and just sort of, and, and again, still enjoying that that VFL win, um, which it was tough too because we didn't get to celebrate in normal fashion. Um, yeah, but. But yeah, like uh, sort of just hoping along the way, and then got the tap on the shoulder from from a coach Bevo, and 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 just said, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna play you this uh, this week and stuff. But we appreciate your efforts, and and so for me, reflecting back, I did all I could, um, phys- all I physically could um, to even get in that position in the first place. Um, yeah, it might have hurt a bit more because I got to that position, and then for it to be like you're yeah. not playing anyway. Um, but mm. but then you know, again, one of those sort of things about perspective um i should be so so grateful to play in a vfl grand final because um in the general sense any any grand final any premierships you win are very very hard to come by um in footy and so when i look back and i've won two vfl premierships it's something that i'm proud of and something a lot of people would be proud of too but but just because afl sort of grand final might have overshadowed that a bit um um Mm. again when i when i look back and reflect i'm i'm bloody proud of, of what i did yeah, I think what you've what you've described there is that whole gratitude kind of kind of piece. Like, um, I was reading a book called um, "The Resilience Project" by Hugh Van Kylenberg, and one of his big messages is around gratitude. It's around um, like I think a lot of, like a, a very common sort of framework around happiness at the moment is like the if and then kind of uh, like complex. It's like if I get this, then I'll be happy. Yeah, but I think yeah. people a lot of a lot of people like they don't, they're not very grateful what they've what they've had, and I think the fact that you've sort of now that you're reflecting back, you don't you don't see yourself as someone who could have been in a grand final, mm. but you see someone who's who's won two VFL prem, VFL premierships. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've read that book as well. Yeah, so if and then, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's a yeah. constant like because then you get that, and then all this, and then oh, but now you want this, and you, it's a forever yeah. going thing. And um, yeah, mm. sometimes you just got to sit back and just you know just have a you know good hard think about you know what you have and, and things like that. And it's, it's very mm. tough sometimes and. And you you sort of lose sight of that along the way, but um, but yeah, as I said, now that I'm older and um, um, yeah, when, when I was younger, I probably would have just been like, no, I don't care about that. I wish I played in the AFL mm. Grand Final. Um, but yeah, now I'm just yeah, grateful. Yeah, that's more. Yeah, when you when you guys won in 2016, when you guys won the Premiership, because um, I think look look obviously AFL it seems as a team sport, um, and from from a from a sort of a someone who consumes football and is a fan of football it's it's seen as a team sport um but i think 
a lot of people kind of forget that whilst it is a team sport, I mean, there's still sort of 40 or like a massive squad of players vying for 22 positions. And like, and so when when Western Bulldogs win the grand final, of course there was there, were, there would have been feelings of you know joy, genuine joy for for your mates and who who had, who had won. But was there a bit of a you know a feeling inside of you where like oh that was the one that kind of you know kind of got away? Yeah, hundred like, percent. You know? um, and hundred percent, every other single player would have felt that way that they didn't play. Um, it's it's mm, yeah. as especially as uh, as professional athletes, you 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 you're just selfish and and. Um, you know, you you just want the best for you, and 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 you know that's a, at the very core of you. That's what you want, and and so it's, it was a hard thing to deal with and to try to sort of you know to, to be happy for 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 your mates, but at the same time you you know I was absolutely gutted that I missed out, sort mm. of thing. Mm. Um, so that was that's a really it's a really tough one to to sort of it was a tough one to to understand and, and comprehend and. and and finally come at peace with it that it just, you know, that didn't happen and that's okay, you know. It's not something – now that, yeah, now that I sort of look back, it's like um, – and I've, yeah, said this before, that sort of change in mindset where um, instead of it's not like why why like why didn't – why not me or why didn't I get this? It's just mm-hmm. sort of, you know what, I'm just happy that, that my friend Jack McRae won a premiership, you know. He's and, – and that sort of shift in mindset um, – Sort of when I like later on in my AFL years really helped me um, get by. Yeah, no, definitely, and it's a really, really healthy mindset to have. Um, and one one of the things that I've noticed with you as well in terms of that shift of mindset, I've actually noticed that particularly within your social media, I feel like I get the impression, or we get the impression, that you've really embraced your own kind of you know your own misfortunes um, in, in a really healthy and, and really funny way. Actually, I think you, you, I saw a. a an Instagram post of you in your in your hospital bed, and you sort of said that you've had more hamstring injuries than than actually playing games than games played <laughs> over the past couple of years. So um, it, you can really see that that kind of that embracing of that kind of you know your your own story. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I, I, I enjoy making fun of myself yeah, a bit, yeah. um, but um, like even even in those situations, you know, it's it's bloody shit, yeah. and and it was shit that I did my hamstring and 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 tore it, you know, really badly. But then, you know, and again, I'm, how lucky am I to, to you know, be able to just go to the hospital, get it fixed up and yep. and then be able to focus on fixing that as, as, as my life and my job. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think along the way you've got you to gotta have fun with, with it and make fun of yourself sometimes, make fun of your own sort of misfortunes, um, even though at the time you can obviously be upset about it and, and choose to be, but that's sort of how I, uh, how I you know, help deal with things, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's very well said. And... And perhaps taking a look at, at times where you, you didn't have that mindset, I think a year that comes to mind was, was 2019 um, where, you, where you found that, you know, you were playing well, but your mental health was, was taking a dip as well. And, and like you mentioned how, you know, earlier on in the podcast where um, you noticed that there was no causality between your, your performance on the field and your, your mental health off the field. You know, you, when you, you'd have a good game, but then you'd come off the field and you'd feel absolutely shit. Um was there a was there a moment a particular moment um there where you know the light bulb kind of went off and and, and you realized that you know this was actually the case there was no sort of causality between you know the way you were playing the game and how you were feeling off the field um i think yeah it's 
And like it's, I did another, uh, I did a bad hamstring injury sort of before the season started, and I just, oh, okay. um, it, like it was a lot so of. Was this in twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen, yeah. There's okay, a lot, yeah. lot of self pity and self loathing, and 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 sort of you know lost that attitude to, to just be like, no, I can come back and, and I can keep doing this. Um, and then you know going through rehab and, and finally coming back to play, um, <laughs> played a game. Like first came back after about ten weeks, and then played a game, and then I got appendicitis. Oh, and I missed three oh, three God. games, and then coming back to the VFL again, it was bloody slow and and just not how I imagined my year to be. And and then and then I started, you know, get, gaining some form and, and getting fit again. And and then all of a sudden, um, it was in one VFL game, you know, I was best on ground, and and then all of a sudden, that feeling of joy after you know playing well. Um, just wasn't there, um, and that was a pretty alarming thing for me at that point. Um, and and I sort of had ongoing, like you know, I'd, I'd been seeing a psychologist and whatnot throughout mm. throughout 2018, 2019, mm. and and but that was a big sort of big moment for me where where sort of that was the alarm bells and thinking something's definitely not right here. Um, mm. um, and so I guess yeah, if I was playing bad, I could I could sort of warrant feeling shit, but then this mm. one. I couldn't, so yeah. So then that's when I was thought, you know, I, I need to have, a, I think, ser- more serious conversations and, and started talking to different people and, and then, you know, the professional advice I got was, was to stop playing. Okay, and, and when you got that professional advice, like what did that kind of look like from an outsider looking in? Was it you, 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 you had the survey and then you had consultations with your psychologist and then, you know, then they gave you the initial kind of diagnosis? Um. Yeah, it was like you do you do that sort of little survey, like, and you have proper conversation. I don't think the sur- like a survey should tell you if you have depression or not, but <laughs> but you have you, yeah, you have I you know genuine conversation. I spoke to the doctor, and then I would speak to the club psychologist, and then I was seeing a, a psychiatrist on top of that, trying different medications and, and this and that, and and mm. um, and then yeah, and then it was sort of the, the stark realization. It's like you you do have depression and. Um, um, maybe it was something I was in denial for a, for a fair while, um, mm. and just sort of thinking it's just a sort of I'm just in a bit of a lull sort of thing, and then it's just yeah. like, geez, I've been in a lull for a fucking long time now, so yeah. I don't know if it's a lull, yeah. and and it was fucking sad to to hear it. To be honest, it was very heartbreaking to hear that it's like you have depression, and then for me, it's like I don't know, like I don't know what to do, like I don't know what's going to happen to mm. me, um, but but in the end, it was. Again, I keep saying I reflect back, but it was a very liberating thing. It was something I didn't have to hide anymore. It was something I didn't have to be ashamed of. And and after a lot of conversations and a lot of sort of I guess self education, it's something that can be fixed. And people go through it, and it can it can be mm. fixed. And and yes, it might be hard, and and it might take a while, and and you might not see the light at the end of the tunnel for a long time. But if you just stick out stick out the advice and 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 you you keep you know helping number one helping yourself I think is you know the main thing um, then then you come through the other end and that's what it's sort of that's my personal experience from it. Mm, yeah, it, it actually reminds me of a of a conversation we had with uh, with Ash Judd. Um, he was an infantry officer who served in in the army and he served in Afghanistan. Um, and he when he came back he suffered from PTSD and 
um there was a time where he actually really reached a really a low point in his life um he was he was beginning to resort to alcohol and he was kind of using that as his real as his relief or escape self um, self-medication yeah yeah exactly right yeah self-medication and 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 one of his uh realizations was when he reached that light at the end of the tunnel was that you can actually have a really like rich and, and fulfilling life even if you have had mental issues in the past yeah 100 percent um it's a really yeah really great point um and that's what I think that's what scared me the most because it's like I thought at that point it's like my life's over now sort of thing like mm. I, and I for a long time it's like I hadn't actually felt genuinely happy in, in so long and mm. and thinking that was that was it like that's this is how life's going to be and, and I, I remember for me you know we're trying different medications and, and one just wasn't working for me at all it was it was one where it's you know I didn't I wasn't feeling sad but I wasn't feeling happy I was just in a sort of neutral spot which I don't know, for me, I'd rather feel something than nothing. Mm. Um, and so, like, that's, yeah, that was a sort of, that's a great point um, that he brought up because um, when I look back now, it's one of those, it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, understand how, what rock bottom is to, to, to know that, to know where you're sitting, you know? Yeah, I definitely see your point there. Um, and I think one of the big things, um, well, I wouldn't say this is, yeah, I wouldn't say this is the cause or anything, but I think it's definitely an aspect which allows mental health issues to fester within young males, and it's this idea of toxic masculinity. Um, and and so I feel like when you're in an environment where you've got and and look, I think toxic masculinity it's something that definitely festers within schools, particularly I think a lot of boys' schools. Um, I think it definitely festers there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 Exactly. And and some people would would have even like some people would think that even in a football club. Um, where you've got, you know, a lot of, obviously it's a very like, strong male presence there that, you know, it allows these traits to kind of fester as well. Um, and obviously we're not looking for a headline or anything like that, but um, <laughs> were you able to, was this something that was kind of prevalent within your kind of circles when you were in the, um, when you started out? Um, I think when I first started playing yeah. footy in like 2012, um, mm. like uh, like 2013, it was, it was very much different. Like at footy clubs, it was, you know, you got to be tough and you got to, be this and that and, um, you know, on the footy field, you know, if you pull out of the contest, you're, you know, you're a pussy and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that was, I think that was sort of the culture and that's just how footy was, I think, in a general mm. sense. And, and and I think the coach we had was sort of, um, you know, it was very much like that. Um, um, it's like you said, you, he had, you know, you got your sort of what people think, you know, a tough male person should be like. Um, and didn't quite understand the sort of intricacies to to how people are just different. You know, all men are different, and, and there's no there's no um, you know one way you should be. Um, and now, at, like at the culture at the at the footy club at the Western Bulldogs, now it's 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 just about embracing everyone for who they are and not asking anyone to change. But um, you know, if unless it's for the better, um, maybe. But um, it's yeah, it's about. Um, yeah, just letting them be themselves, and if and if you're one of the players, it's maybe it used to be like you know you'd bag someone for doing this or that, but now it's just like you know you just embrace them and and take them for for who they are. And, and how did that make you feel, sort of coming into that kind of environment when you first started out? Um, oh, it was tough to sort of feel like I I I belonged, and and um, I think you know it's like the first few years it was really tough for me still like trying to find my feet and, and trying to find my groove and, and I didn't have you know a heap of friends when I first started and, and um, you know wouldn't 
wasn't you know gelling with the group as well as I would have liked um and um and so yeah it was pretty it was a very intimidating thing and it, it sort of like it gave me a lot of social anxiety sort of being there oh wow yeah um yeah thanks for sharing that I, I don't think I've ever heard that um from you so yeah thanks for sharing that and I I think um, the, the the basis of the question really was, I think Sunny Ujwal and I have spoken about this a lot of times about how we are a, really a reflection of, of the, the people that we surround ourselves with. And, um, you know, so, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, this whole boys club vibe, it can kind of fester within schools and, and, and clubs and sporting clubs. And I mean, for example, like, you know, the, the, I mean, there are certainly people out there where, you know, they might be in a club or, or a social setting and there is that kind of, boys club vibe to it yeah. and well, like boys club setting to it and yeah. because of that it may shape the way that they kind of act in those situations yeah it's it definitely so like you just become a product of your environment sort of thing like um and it takes something you know special or or takes a special group to to break the mold and 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 um you know you, you might always have your sort of boys club sort of thing and, and that's okay but as long as it's they're fine with who other people are and 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 yep. they're not disrespecting other other people, then then that's fine. But um, but yeah, it is. It's, it's a tough thing to to sort of um, to change, and and I guess at, at clubs or or at anything in general, it starts from the top. You know, it starts from the yep. the the head honcho um, being able to, to you know ex- express that it's fine to be who you are, sort of thing, and, and then that sort of breaks down, sort of you know down the ladder, and and then um, yeah, I think it's yeah, that's why it's such an important thing to have have good leaders at any club you know yeah exactly um and it's actually really interesting to see that um you know the the two grand final teams the, the demons and the bulldogs um they have all the the, the ceos are, are are both women yeah so, yeah um it'll be interesting to see like how it, it'll be good to see like you know it probably explains why the culture from, from the face of it the culture in both the teams seem like really really healthy um so uh, just just in terms of looking back at your life now and i think you've you've definitely sort of spoken about this um throughout, throughout our conversation but sort of looking back at your life now was there any piece of advice you'd, you'd give to your younger self in terms of like a young 21 year old or 19 year old lin jong what would you say to him and and what uh what messages would you pass on to him what wisdom would you pass on to him um <laughs> it's a it's a such a uh, that's a tough one like i uh, um yeah i'm sort of like part of me is sort of like well i i am who i am now because of everything um, mm. you know, I experienced and then if I gave myself that advice and maybe I wouldn't have experienced it. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think maybe in a footy sense um, that, um, you know, I wish I told myself I didn't have to take it so seriously. Um, yep. And it was funny because when I when I stopped taking it so seriously, I, I my performance was, was better because I didn't, not that I didn't care, but I didn't, you know, care about as much as my performance and, and the outcome and, and what I would feel like and, and just sort of enjoy playing again. Um, mm. And then I guess um, if I were to give myself advice in life, it would, I don't know, it would maybe be, um, I don't know, just, yeah, I'll, I'm trying to, like, without trying to sound, you know, cliche or corny, it's just like, yeah, just yeah, be yeah. yourself and, and, and you'll, and the right people will sort of come to you sort of thing. Um, you don't have to try to change mm. yourself to, to, to feel like you belong to a certain group or anything like that and and mm. and then um uh yeah I think I think that would be sort of be my main messaging and um wow yeah 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 I think I, uh, without going into too much info I think that would be the main one definitely yeah 
I, I like. I really like the point that you said there. Like we're, we're kind of, and we talked. We talked about like what kind of shapes us. Um, I, I, one thing, the people that I, we're surrounded ourselves with, like that definitely shapes us. But I think also our experiences shape us as well. So, um, look, I, 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 that's that's a very kind of original response. I think um, yeah. a lot of people would have kind of advice for them, but it's a very original and it's a really really well said. Um, and yeah, I think you are you you are who you are today because of the setbacks and because of all the things that you experienced and all the learnings and teachings that those experiences taught you. So, and so yeah, it's pretty profound and, and a really good way of putting it. And and now, so I know I've asked you a lot of questions today. Uh, I've asked you quite quite a, quite a lot. Um, <laughs> but I thought I'd I, I thought I'd ask you just to end this end this podcast. Um, I thought I'd ask you like a quick rapid fire questions yeah uh, a couple of, they're, they're, they're not nothing serious or anything like that but just uh, just a couple uh couple of quick ones yeah. um so I'll, I'll, I'll this is like this what the second time i think we've done this so i don't know how this is going to go um all right let's go so drake or kanye uh drake <laughs> that's a t- i love old kanye though his new stuff not so much <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I, was, I was a fan of um drake's drake's new album love the love the um Love the, the love the logo on the album. It's yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so this one's a bit of a weird one. Um, this is, but this one, this question is. So I'm a very big Essendon supporter, and my mates are very big Brisbane Lions supporter, <laughs> and we have and we have a, a debate on who's a better player. So I think that Zach Merritt is much better than Hugh McCluggage. He thinks Hugh McCluggage is much better than Zach Merritt. So like, I would love to get your I'd love to get your thoughts on this. And, and just bear in mind, if you if you choose the wrong answer, I'm not going to post the pod. So. <laughs> quite uh, quite different players. Oh, I'm yeah, like, apples and oranges kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. For me, for me, oh, I love Hugh McCluggage. I love how he plays. He's like he's a good one of mine to watch. But but I'd say Zach Merritt's got the runs on the boards on him. Like um, yeah, yeah. If I were to pick, if I had to pick one, it would probably be Zach Merritt. I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a numbers over grace. Numbers yeah. over grace. Yeah, it touches, touches over, touches over efficiency. It's all good. <laughs> um, uh, okay, the Simpsons or Family Guy? Simpsons, hundred percent. Yes, old old Simpsons. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, NBA or AFL? Uh, NBA. Oh, NBA. I stopped watching footy like for a long time, I think, but now slowly starting to enjoy it again a lot more to watch. And uh, okay, last one. This is probably the most important question of the podcast. Um, bulldogs or demons? <laughs> uh, doggy's quietly confident about them. Yeah, <laughs> quietly confident. All right, cool. I couldn't say anything else, could I? <laughs> yeah, yeah we've been, it would have been a bit concerning if you said the demons, but... Um, but yeah, no, on that note, uh, that's a good way of ending. Good luck to the doggies uh, in next week, I think it is. Um, but, you know, I really appreciate you, you coming on. And um, yeah, I just... Keep doing what you're doing. I think I'll be following, we'll be following your journey um, very, very closely. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for, for coming on. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Awesome. And that's 20, episode 27, Done and Dusted with Lin Jong. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. It was really inspirational to hear and reflect on what Lin said uh, throughout the podcast. And I certainly took a lot away from that one. And like I mentioned at the start, I think Lynn is one of the nicest, most genuine people I've met. I think um, we, we spoke uh, early on um, before and after the podcast and um, and, we're, and me, Sunny and Ujwal will definitely be looking uh, 
looking at where his mental health journey goes um, from from now on. Um, if you had any thoughts or feedback on the pod, please feel free to shoot us a message on our Instagram handle at BottledUpOz. Um, but yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed that one and I'll see you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>